the spiritual DNA of a healthy soul. And that's really what I want to talk to you. It's that little part of you, your soul. How is it? Um, if I had to ask you this morning, how's your soul? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the doctor. And you should go, what? Um, I, I haven't been to the doctor for a long, long, long time. Um, very long time. And um, I, I had this blocked sweat gland, and it was getting a little bit infected, and it wasn't nice, and every time I moved my arm, it hurt, and so eventually Corin said, go to the doctor, and just felt so weird sitting at a t- like behind the table at the doctor, and so she asked the questions, um, okay, how old are you? 54. Um, 55, okay. Uh, I, Okay, my memory's going too, okay? And, um, and so um, she, she's like, um, okay, how's your health? I'm like, yeah, oh, decent, generally good. Um, when last have you had a full physical? So I said, when I was in the Navy? I was 18. <laughs> and she looked at me like, What? And, and I just, well, like, everything's working, should be working. And she said, well, do you check your prostates? And I was like, what's that? I, I, I don't know. So, I, I, you know, but it's kind of interesting. Maybe I should at some point. But we, we went to, um, you know, you, you get, we changed medical aids a few months ago, and uh, we had to go in, and they had to check your blood pressure and, and cholesterol, and I, I was amazed to discover I've got high cholesterol. So maybe everything's not working properly, but, um, but you know, it really reminds me just the way that our souls are. Sometimes we think we're good and we're not good, and um, sometimes we're just completely out of touch. We don't know. And that's the reason why I want to take you to Third John chapter 2, um, to verse 2, to show you that it is possible that you can know the state of your soul and that others can know the state of your soul. And I want you to look at that verse. Um, Can you just flick to the next verse? Where John the Apostle is writing to this man whose name is Gaius or Caius. He says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. How many of you would like all to go well with you? Okay, that's a good blessing. Apostolic, thank you. I'll take that. That all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Okay, who would like to be in good health? Me, yes. Okay, now watch the third part. As it goes well with your soul. Interesting. The Apostle John, this man Gaius, Christian, and he says it is going well with your soul. Soul. Do you know, for us as leaders, one of the things that we have to do is look into your souls. Now, maybe some of you don't feel too comfortable with that, but it's important. And um, this morning, you need to know and you need to consider and look at your soul today and ask yourself, is it well with my soul? Is my soul in good health, just as my body is? 
And, um, and so the Bible does often speak about your souls. And so if you're taking notes, let's just define that word soul. The Bible speaks in at least 280 different places about your soul. And it's the word in Greek in the New Testament, suke, psyche, spelled P-S-Y-C-H-E, psyche, soul. It's from where we get the word psychiatrist or psychology. Looking into the soul. The soul is that place of your emotions, place where you hide your experiences. Um, it's that part of you where your identity is, and, and that is your soul. And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and your strength. And... Um, Ezekiel 18.20 says, the soul that sins, it shall die. Did you know that you can sin with your emotions, with your soul? Do you know that? Okay. The soul that sins, it shall die. And I love this. This is my favorite soul verse in the Bible. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And he restores my soul. Isn't that beautiful? Restores. Makes it new. Refreshes. How many of you would like God to do that with your soul this morning? He's going to. And so, um, as we look at this third John, and it's such a short letter, I want to read it to you. And, um, God, do you want to read it? You want to read it? Third John. Okay. And she reads better than me, so... You want to read that? Third John. Let's follow along. From verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense about us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add, I didn't add that name. That really is in the Bible. Okay, you can look there. That's not why I'm reading it. Okay. <laughs> There's a bad Demetrius in another passage, but this is a good one. 
Let's repeat it again. Verse 12. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. Amen. We also add our testimony. That was added, the amen, hey? We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Thank you. So, Third John, it's getting towards the end of his life, probably AD 80, AD 90, around that point. John is an old apostle. He's the last living apostle at this point. All the others have been martyred, put to death. And he's writing to someone that we don't know, whose name is Gaius. Gaius is a common name in the Roman Empire. There was Julius Caesar. His first name was Gaius. It's Caius. It's not like that G in the Greek, Caius. Um, but it's a, it's a common name. So it's not some figure we know of in the book of Acts. We do read of people, different Gaiuses in the Bible. But this name is like Gary. It's just a common, common, common name. So it's just a believer in the church who happened to be hospitable. And John commends him because John sees in this man, whether he was a young man, because he says, I see my children walk in truth, whether he was in his 20s, 30s, 40s, we're not sure exactly, but he commends him and he says, it's going well with your soul. I see a healthy soul in you. And then he changes gear and he talks about a very sickly soul, a leader in the church, a senior pastor, an elder, chief, or whatever he was, whose name is Diatrophes. And I want to look and just balance these two a little bit for you. And if you're taking notes, I want to give you three signs of a healthy soul and three symptoms of a sickly soul. And I want you to realize that even us church leaders can have sickly souls. And what is the difference? And so this area of our lives that we don't often look into, let's look into it this morning. So three signs here of a healthy soul. The first thing you're going to see is healthy souls have healthy relationships. Can you write that down? Number one, healthy souls have healthy relationships. And this is something that we see so beautifully. And I think for us as church leaders, when we are ministering to you, when we are looking in, if you happen to be married, do you have a healthy marriage? Do you have a healthy way of relating husband to your wife, wife to your husband? How is the state of your marriage? How's the state of your friendships? How's your relationship, parents with your children and children with your parents? You see, healthy souls have healthy relationships. Amen? And so when we look at this, we see John, the apostle, who has a healthy relationship with Gaius, who's just sharing how much he loves. He calls him beloved more than once. And he even says, I, oh, I'm, I'm writing this letter to you, but I want to come and actually visit you face to face. Did you see that, the last few verses there? Oh, I want to come and hang out with you, in other words. And there is something so beautiful, and if you could let me share some personal testimony here about ministry, is... The way you see in the New Testament, you've got letters that are 
written by apostles to big churches, Rome and Corinth and Ephesus and big churches. But then you've got little letters written to little people. You've got a book called Timothy and a book called Titus and a book called Philemon. Um, I don't know why the Bible does this, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, because they should have actually named this book Gaius. should have been the book of Gaius because it's written to him. But I think everyone would have said, what? So we know John. But John as an apostle was someone who had personal relationships with people where we don't know about, little people in the church. And that is so special. We had the elders week and our gathering with all our Josh Gent elders. And Andrew said something that is so worth repeating. And his words were, remember the one. Just remember the one. You know, as our church movement, as we are growing and getting bigger and bigger, um, how many congregations are we up to now? 50-something? Yeah. And as things are growing, this is so important for us as leaders, deacons, com leaders, remember the one. Remember the one. For about 20 years, Cor and I were part of a, what you could call a mega church ministry. And um, our motto was not remember the one. It was preach the word. And um, we were a great church for gathering people, getting people into church. And it was a, what you could call a charismatic Bible teaching church. And Around the world, we had probably 1,800 congregations, and they were big. Um, a lot of them were over 10,000, because they were mainly in the States and Europe and all around. And this big ministry, there was very little one-to-one. -one. And when we came into Josh Jen, the fact that Andrew has chosen, instead of doing the big Hillsong thing to do the little Josh Jen thing. Lots of smaller congregations led by elders, led by deacons. This is so good. And so that's why I said to you visitors, stick around here because you'll get ministered to. People will share and speak into your life. The prophetesses will embarrass you. All those things will happen. It's good. This is healthy church. It's what the Lord wants of us. And you know that, and I can remember, I think just as I was thinking about this, this flashback to, I think it was just before COVID, and Cor and I were ministering at a church in the States, and it was the church that we were part of, and it was, um, they would have four services. So it was a big 5,000 sort of seater um, building, but then they had multiple services, so everyone, had, I think, yeah, and, and so it was a Saturday night service, and then three Sunday morning services, and come, go, come, go, come, go, and so we ministered there, and then we would, after that ministry, we would go into this back room behind the church front, and sit there, and there'd be sort of like video screens, and we could see what was going on in the service, and uh, we'd be there, so from the worship time, we'd be back, and then we'd come in and speak, and then we'd go back again, then we'd wait, and there'd be refreshments. And this just, I can remember that moment, just feeling so disconnected from people. 
And I'm like, God, I, I, I don't get this. This is not, this is really not what I want. And the moment when God brought us into Josh Jen, we saw something of, this is what I want. This is it. This is that one-to-one where you can talk to anyone. You can talk to apostles and Josh Jen. You can talk to evangelists. You can talk to elders and deacons. And we're all approachable. And so um, this is what John is doing here and what he's modeling for us. So hold on to that model, guys. It's important for us. So healthy souls have healthy relationships. Secondly, number two, healthy souls are people who delight in the truth. People who delight in the truth. He speaks twice. He uses the phrase, if you look there in verse 3 and verse 4, walking in the truth. Walking in the truth. And this is something. Do you guys spend time in your Bibles? Do you walk around in your Bibles? Are you walking around? Because this is truth. This is the word of truth. And there is something, and I, I can tell you, personal confession, I love the Bible. I love God's word. And it, every single day, I spend time in it. And it lifts me and it ministers to my soul and it refreshes me. I like walking in the truth. And I like living it out. Because just as we take it in, we've got to live it out and put it into practice. And um, this is so healthy for us. Delighting in the truth. Number three, healthy souls overflow with the love of Jesus. Healthy souls overflow with the love of Jesus. Have you ever just hung around with another believer and you just feel loved? You just feel the love just flowing out of them? Jesus said that would happen. In John 7, 37 and 38, and he spoke of these rivers of living water that would flow out of us when the Holy Spirit is filling us. Those rivers of living water are rivers of love and grace and God's goodness. We've got an inside bathroom in our house, and then we've got an outside toilet. And it's one of those really old ones, you know, where the cistern is kind of like up there. And for a while, last year, this thing started, that, that normal, you guys know what I'm talking about, that float valve that, like, when it gets to a certain level, it's supposed to stop, supposed to stop, right? Okay, well, this one just decided one day it was going to overflow, and that valve didn't work anymore, and it's just, like, water flowing and coming out of that, and I thought, that is a picture of what Jesus wants your lives and my lives to look like. Overflowing. There's no shuttle valve on us. It just comes out. And um, I regret I had to put a new valve into it and stop it. But the picture was there. Overflow. Be like toilets, all of you. (laughs) Amen? So healthy souls overflow. And this is what Gaius was doing. He was overflowing. In fact, when... Another believer came into town. His default was, come stay in my house. Come stay with me. And he'd always want to be first to invite, whether it's an apostle or an elder or a believer. He keeps talking. And, he, and John is saying, Yo, you know, people just keep coming back and telling me they love you. And they love your house. And they love your love. And they love your wife's cooking. You guys are amazing. And your kids. They're decent. 
So, so this is really what a healthy soul looks like. Do you get it? Are you getting the picture? Healthy soul, healthy relationships, lives in the truth, loves the Word of God, lives out and overflows with the love of Jesus. Okay, let me take you to hell. <laughs> the sickly soul now. Three things about him. And his name is Diotrephes. We don't know anything else about him other than what John tells us. But Diotrephes, he was like the leader of leaders. But he was the one who kept his finger on the pulse, who was in charge of everything. Everyone reported to him. He was the big chief cheese. And Colin knows him personally. You knew him, eh? Okay. <laughs> so we get people like this, whether it's in ordinary Bible churches, whether it's in charismatic churches, they the big figure who's in charge of everything. Nothing happens with outside of their control. And so this was diatrophies. And John doesn't say anything nice about him. Can you imagine being denounced in Scripture? Imagine you were diatrophies. And you know, you think you're running such a good church. And then the Bible comes out and you see your name in it. And all it's saying is bad things about you. Like that's what God thought of him. Whatever John was writing was what God thought of him. And do you know, you might be, I might be. It doesn't matter who I am in Joshian, what I am, Estian or Jeff or anything or Corinth. doesn't matter. It's what God thinks of us. You might think the world of us. It's what God thinks of us that counts. And so God speaks truth. He doesn't lie. And sometimes you might even be trying to impress people and you know, you put on your goody clothes on a Sunday and you show up at church, but your soul is corrupt, okay? God sees through it and he calls it like it is. And, and my friends, prophecy. Someday someone will put their finger on you and they will tell you what's in your heart, okay? And the Bible says you'll fall, fall to the floor and you'll be begging mercy for Jesus, okay? So you want to hang around in this church, realize that God does show people things that are going on in other people's souls, Okay, so that's, we see prophecy, yeah, it's building up, it's building up, but sometimes it's pointing out things. I've had words spoken to me when things were a little bit off. Pass up. <laughs> but I think if there was a prophet or prophetess that came into town, they would come into his church and they would say, it's like near like an Esau. That's his forget Esau. And just the pastor. Hasty problem. <laughs> okay, it would be something like that. And, and so Diotrephes loves to put himself first, doesn't acknowledge our authority, etc., etc. And so three symptoms of a sickly soul. Doesn't matter who he is in the church or she or whatever. Three symptoms. Number one, a sickly soul always puts himself first. Okay? You're always looking out for me, myself, and I. So it's a real selfishness, whether it's um, just worldly or so-called pseudo-spiritual or whatever, putting yourself first, always putting yourself first, more concerned with yourself than with others. And guys, a simple test of that is, are you faithful in tithing? That's just a test, okay? Because when you tithe, you, you're saying, I'm not putting myself first, I'm putting God first. And that's just in your finances, there's other areas. Um, and so, when we consider putting himself first, sickly soul, 
The second thing, being anti-authority. That's another sign of a sickly soul. And um, in the church, in ministry, for many years, I've met those. They're anti-authority. You can tell them to do something in the Lord, and they resent you for it. And, um, you know, there might be someone here, and you're just thinking, like, stuff you. you. You're so arrogant. You think you know it all. And you're just having those thoughts going through your mind. Okay? And you, you're just like, I don't like your word. I don't like you. I don't like your shirt. I don't like your beard. Whatever you don't like about my color of my eyes. But you, you need to pass up. Okay? Because that anti-authority spirit in you is toxic. It's going to kill you from the inside. And um, we, we're dealing with things on, a, um, I think some of you heard yesterday on a Josh Jen level, where there are people that are fighting against Josh Jen that are so anti-authority. And it's just because, well, they don't like Andrew or they don't like what he said to them. And guys, the best thing you can do is to acknowledge what Romans 13 says, all authority comes from God. Okay? So we're not anti-authority. We're pro-authority. Okay? You should put yourself under, obey those. We're not going to treat you like half souls, but we do realize that we have got an important calling in the church to lead you in the ways of the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Some of you are not saying amen. Okay? So we'll deal with you in the year. <laughs> but that's anti-authority. And then a third thing is unloving and slander and, and slander and slander. He's slandering. Like, you know, John, like just think of this, guys. John was one of the three close disciples to Jesus. He was the one that visually with his eyes saw Jesus on that mount where he, where he was transfigured and saw the glory of Jesus. He's the one who saw the whole of Revelation. That's John. He's the one that was sitting closest to Jesus and he has a church leader, Diotrephes, who says, get out. You're not welcome in my church, all your people. Like, can you imagine that? Like, telling Jeff Kidwell, Jeff, get out of our church. Like, I mean, Jeff, like, most loving guy, and that's John. You know, I think of, often when I see Jeff, I think of John the Apostle. As he gets older, we'll watch him. Just watch his knees. <laughs> okay. When he comes in with a walking stick. Okay, one day. Lord spares him and me with my high cholesterol. But um, the, the unlovingness of John, of Diotrephes. So there's so much love coming from Gaius and nothing from Diotrephes. And so that's why it says, look, by their fruit you'll know them. Doesn't matter who he is in the church. So those are the three things there. And um, I want to just to kind of bring this home and bring us to close is to warn you of three certain things that will make you very sick in your soul. Three things that will make you very sick in your soul. And the first is pain, and the second is pride, and the third is passions. And I want you to write this down or remember it or whatever. And next to passions, you could do slash porn, pornography, okay? And those three things will darken your soul, sicken your soul, and possibly even kill you. And I want to just elaborate quickly. Pain, unhealed wounds. Do you have any unhealed wounds from your past, from relationships, your relationship with your father, your mother, 
relationship in the community? Do you have pain that's still ongoing? Those wounds that have never been sewn or healed up or mended by the love of the Lord Jesus. Do you have wounds, soul wounds? Do you have um, a broken relationship, a divorce, um, a, abuse, all those kind of things? When you think about it, or just you were fired from a job, you were kicked out, you had a bad school, college, fail, whatever, it's this pains, the two hurts, okay? Unjustice in your life, pain, pain, hurt, okay? If you could imagine a room called your soul, and inside the room, all the walls are just peppered with bullet holes, and there's just smears of blood on the inside, that's what your soul looks like because of that, okay? And you see, with a sickly soul that's full of pain, and I'm going to testify some personal stuff, with a sickly soul like that, you cannot be like that person Gaius that's got open heart and love and overflow. You first need to deal with those pains. You first need to bring them before Jesus. The second thing is, after pain, is pride. Pride is one of the six or seven sins that God says he hates. It's thinking of yourself. Diatrophies likes to put himself first. It's putting yourself first. It's showing off. It's always thinking about yourself. It's having a selfie kind of mindset. How do I look? How do I feel? How do I dress? And it's being rotating. And in a Christian, in a church context, it often pushes into the spiritual gifts. You like to parade your gift. You like to show off as Dritrophy's words. And so we've got to like push that stuff to the back, okay? Because with pride, the Bible says that God resists the pride, okay? So even if you think of yourself, I'm a prophet, I can share and I can come share words, those words will be silly. They won't have anything. It won't touch anyone because you are mixing something toxic into something good. It doesn't work. It flops. I've seen it. And so that's pride. Don't try to prove yourself. Just be your own Christ. And then thirdly, passions. Pornography. Pornography, I'm convinced, is from the devil. I'm convinced it's toxic poison. And I want to just tell you as your church, as your leaders, we speak about these things. Our goal is that not one person, young or old, in our congregation would have anything to do with pornography. And that God would completely, if you're walking in that, that God would tell you, you are killing off your soul. You're destroying your soul. And what I can say as a Christian, and I've seen it, when you give yourself into pornography, you're killing the life of the Spirit in you. That's why King David, when he was in sexual sin, had committed adultery, he prayed to God, he was making his confession, his repentance to the Lord. He said, God, Psalm 51, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because David really had a sense that God had left him. And you will feel like God has left you. And I want to tell you guys, we are here not to condemn. We are here to help you. But with the authority of Jesus Christ, I say to you, stop that sin. Stop it immediately. Get it out of your life. Break through in that thing and stop it. Because the Holy Spirit can leave you. He can depart from you. And then all you've got to do is fake it. Fake it at Com group. Fake it at church. Fake it at everything. Because 
what you're doing is not flowing with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So we need to get that sin out of our lives. Um, where Peter said, he said, Beloved, I urge you, strong word, urge you, abstain, get it out of your life from passions of the flesh. And what did he say they will do to you? Pornography will wage a war against your soul. It's a sin of the soul. And so that corruption, that really can poison you. Terrible. So those are the three things. And I want to bring you back right now to what Jesus wants to say to you and what Jesus wants to do in you. If you were to look at your life and you were to this morning evaluate your soul and you were to say, I discern pain. I do have those bullet marks. I discern pain in me. Secondly, you say, I, I do, I am one of those selfie kind of people, just like to put myself first. I like to, other people to think high and well of me. I like that. That's important for me. Pride. Third thing is passions in me that are unrestrained, like wild horses just going all over. I can't even fight. It's waged war against me and I've just surrendered and given up and I need to have a victory. I need to be cleansed of this. I need Jesus to come in. Well, Jesus Christ died for your sins. Jesus Christ died to save your soul. Your soul doesn't only need saving, but it needs nurturing. It needs daily caring. And Jesus says, I'm able to do that for you also. And that's why when David wrote Psalm 23, he wrote those beautiful words, he restores my soul. And maybe that's what you want Jesus to do for you. Because um, we want you guys to be faithful. We want you guys to be at church every Sunday, to be participating in your comm groups, to be um, passionate evangelizing and praying and doing all those things. But you cannot do it with a sickly soul. You need the Lord to restore your soul. You need to put this verse into practice. And so we're going to bow our heads in a moment, and I'm going to pray, and I believe in the power of prayer, and I'm going to pray and ask God to do exactly that, to, as he puts his finger on that, not a condemning finger, but a finger like, says you need healing in this area. You need to be healed. You need to be made well. And so this morning... Um, I'm going to ask you for a personal response. And I know, and um, it's kind of hard to share, but let me just share it with you anyway. Is Corin and I went through a terrible experience years ago when our souls became very, very sickly. And um, we were in that big church movement. And um, God had led us at that point. Um, we were already talking to Josh Jan and talking to other leaders. And we were sensing God was moving us out of that and moving us into this. And we went through a time period where our souls became incredibly sickly. True story. Cara and I had taken a sabbatical. We had never really done that before in 20 years of ministry, and um, we felt we needed it. Her health was really bad at that point, 
And um, so what we did is we, we called some additional help in so we could take time off and the churches could run. And so uh, we called, um, we had someone from the States and we had someone from the UK, good people that were very capable, and handed over to them and we took our sabbatical. And during that time, those people that we called in really kind of misused their positions and um, things went very, very sour very, very quickly. And in those three months, there was so much toxic lies and rumors and things that got spread that were really unfounded and not true. And Corinna, after we get back and we walk into our church expecting a greeting and people turned away from us. One of Corinne's best friends just looked the other way and we realized that something had come into the church and it was so hurtful. One by one, Corinne's friends started saying, I'm leaving the church, we're going, turning away, we tried to confront, tried to deal with this, and it was about four months of hell that we went through. I mean, this wasn't just me, it was our Corinne, it was our whole family, and others. And um, there, there was just so much stuff, it really felt like the devil was trying to destroy something good that God had done. And... Um, With all that, I could say Corin probably lost about 10, 15, 20 good friends. Um, I, I just, and the way we responded was kind of different. We didn't have a lot of good counsel going into this. And so I decided I was going to be Clint Eastwood. I'm just going to take out the enemy. And um, if you don't like it here, find another church. And so I just went hard. In fact, my soul went like rock. And I was like, those things are not saying it's not true. And I spoke in church against murmuring. And we like dealt with it. But I was very strong-armed. It wasn't the best way to deal with the church. And Corin went the other way. She just was so full of pain. It was like that soul that was just torn and ripped apart. And, and she internalized so much. And so here were us, two church leaders destroyed. And God had to do something big for us. And it was heavy. It was hard. It was painful. But Jesus did what he said he would do. And it was somewhere in COVID and the Lord took us in our sin. He took us in our failures. He took us in our weakness. And Jesus restored my soul. And he restored Corin's soul. And I can say that as you have seen us, as we walked in here, we're two different people. We're not those people. God restored our souls. There was a change. Something powerful was affected in our lives. And it was through prayers. And people who ministered to us, like Jeff, even before we came into Josh Jen, and others, and Andrew, and Will, and people like that, and lots of tears, and lots of crying, and lots of brokenness. And I say today, thank you, God, for restoring my soul. Do you want your soul to be restored? 